it starts off strong and then nothing else happens. Well, you know, that's the majority of the game is starting out. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's, that's why this class is good, because you have to start out. <laughs> Dangerous Shining Beacon in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Yishin. And welcome to episode 340 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're ranking the 5e D&D Paladin subclasses. But first, the party gets philosophical in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, Major Motoko Kusanagi is one part ghost and one part shell in the Character Creation Forge. Oh, I think I know what that one's from. Hmm. It's mm. it's from the movie with uh, ScarJo, right? It's uh, it's <laughs> yes, <laughs> Lucy. <laughs> Her, she's played too many uh, ghosts in shells. <laughs> she was also in Ghost World, not the same thing at all, and yet, mm. mm-hmm. prescient. Yeah, it was the worst version of the character. Anyway. Bear with us for a little bit. As you may have noticed, we are getting back to our weekly release schedule. But, you know, there's life and there are children. Um, <laughs> there's exponentially more children. <laughs> <laughs> it's always just children everywhere, underfoot. One thing that isn't going to be here for us for all that much longer, though, um, Keith Baker, creative Eberron, did announce that he is stepping away from Eberron Books. I believe he'll still be, you know, posting on his website, uh, you know, information about that he creates, you know, so for, for his own version of Eberron. But, you know, he's made it very clear Wizards of the Coast owns Eberron. He can't officially create any content for it. So, you know, he's put out, I think, three books so far um, as like third party uh, content for Eberron on the DMs Guild. One more is going to come out uh, later this year, um, late 2023, and then that's going to be it. Yeah, this is um, uh, okay. There's, there's, it, this sucks. Um, you know, <laughs> like, like, good for Keith uh, in, in recognizing that, like, you know, there's there's better things for him to do with his time, uh, apparently, than ever. Right, he's, he's focusing on, like, the games coming out of, you know, Together Studios. Right, exactly, which are great. Um, you know, and, like, I... I, I I like I love Illamot. Uh, the Adventure Zone card game or, or board game was uh, was pretty well received. Like he he makes some cool products out of there. Like I, I you know, I still love uh, Phoenix Dawn Command, which is uh, the RPG that that he released independently before together. Like so, his work I, I'm I'm always a fan of. Uh, it just sucks that like the money doesn't make sense to continue um, putting out paid products for Eberron. Mm-hmm, right. And we've talked before about like, even even us, many people identify us as like an Eberron focused or centric podcast and hint, hey, you know, we're recapping a lot of Eberron campaigns. Um, like, how closely do you tie yourself, you know, monetarily, or even just, you know, in terms of content to something wholly owned by Wizards of the Coast? Who doesn't always? Who don't always make the best decisions? <laughs> to, 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 I mean, to be clear, like this podcast loses money. 
<laughs> so like if either of us were dependent on it for our income, we would be completely screwed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, completely understandable that Keith is making this decision. Um, and look, I sort of feel like this just kind of puts us back in a position where we were for many years where like there wasn't any new Eberron content, you know? And one really nice thing about the setting, one I think one of the sort of selling points for a lot of people was that it's it's not a living setting in that it's not constantly being updated. The timeline is not being moved forward like Forgotten Realms all the time where like you can end up behind. Like if you still have your third edition Eberron source books and nothing else, you can still play in the quote unquote up-to-date setting. And any new material or lore that comes out can be easily incorporated like wherever you get that from whether it's from you know keith's website or um you get some of the new books that he's put out or who knows wizards of the coast puts out a new eberron book someday with no input from keith baker which is certainly a possibility well and this is the thing right like and surely this is nothing new to you know fans of Greyhawk um, or, or some of the other <laughs> like older campaign settings right but like as long as sixth edition hues pretty closely to the third edition framework right as long as those two systems are you know recognizable even if they're not strictly compatible like those books continue to have life right um both like the lore of it but then also like the mechanics can still serve as like kind of a baseline in order to sort of do the adaptation um, the further afield that D&D gets from that historic content, like the more at risk we are of really losing what that means, unless you happen to know those systems and know the new version, right? Um, that, that to me is like kind of one of the sad parts and the concerns of, of a creator like Keith stepping away is that like, he did that translation, right? Like, you know, his, hit the, three books he's released and the one book he will like include mechanics and those mechanics are fifth edition mechanics as like you know the the mechanical value of these things doesn't always disappear between editions i mean obviously fourth edition was a was a bit of a problem with that um but i you know i don't know we'll see but, it, but this the spirit certainly was still there the sixth edition is increasingly making me nervous so <laughs> This is a lo a larger, longer conversation, but you know, I I think the the Dragonlance setting book and adventure didn't sell all that well, at least compared to I mean, certainly compared to like Critical Role stuff, right? Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll sort of see what transpires going forward. Fifth edition is sort of the first time that we've seen a lot of these old settings resurfaced right maybe planescape is in the works spelljammer's back dragonlance is back um but if like they don't stick then maybe it's another three editions before we see them resurface it's yeah if ever if ever i mean it's i don't know there's a whole product strategy component to that too right of like one book doesn't really mean you brought it back I mean, they're certainly not, they're not equivalent to, you know, like 14 supplements that come out over the course of three years as, as was the strategy in, in like second edition. Right. But they're also scarcely equivalent to one supplement that came out in prior editions, right? Like a lot of times they're, they're not even like a basic campaign intro 
book uh, or box set that you used to get, right? Like they're just lesser products and it's like no wonder that people who have the good ones uh, and are fans of it already aren't flocking to it. And no wonder with so little support that new people aren't picking it up because it's not as complete or immersive. We're also deep enough into fifth edition where like most people who run fifth edition know how to hack the system right it's not new so like if i have the eberron lore or the dragonlance lore or whatever and i am already running games then i can very easily you know take this template and place it over it or you know reflavor whatever i want and i don't need the new mechanics which is why i was buying it anyway because i I don't want new lore, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a weird spot. I think we've uh <laughs> we've <laughs> wow, we've really wrung every uh every drop out of uh Keith Baker no longer working on Eberron books. <laughs> well, good luck, Keith. We'll keep you all posted. All right. Where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign? So the Gates of Morning campaign is our fifth edition D D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in the Shadow Marches at the Gate of Wind, the party is trying to stop the quarry from unleashing the chaos of Zoria onto the material plane. And now the Gate of Wind has been established, and the long ago war against Zoriat is won, before the entire scene melts away. Yay, dream sequence. So switch the changeling devotee of the traveler finds herself back in the library in Flamekeep. Browsing a thick stack of books behind a wide desk, the old librarian looks up at her and smiles. A ring on his right finger reflects the multi-hued light pouring through the large windows, and in the corner, a shield propped against the wall hums with energy. Switch begins to cry, ashamed to meet the librarian's gaze. Must I destroy the gates to let Zoriat flow back into Eberron? She asks, I saw the day of mourning. I saw people die. I saw myself die. And I saw it lead to the end of a war that was killing thousands of people every day. Birth always begins with pain. Chaos and crisis inspire innovation and forge heroes. I've hurt people. I've hurt myself, knowing that growth would inevitably come afterward. But the gatekeepers, thousands of years ago, created stasis. They locked Zoriat in place. I know the planes must be unlocked so that change can flourish, but I don't know if I'm strong enough to hurt so many people in order to do it. The librarian motions to a large cushioned chair that wasn't there before. He selects a thick tone that looks like it's bound in metal, though he lifts it easily to hand to her, and she finds it no heavier than a normal book. The embossed title reads in common, On the Weather, a treatise by Roderick. Within, she finds an overly complicated explanation of the water cycle. It may spend some time in a lake or in a cloud, but eventually it will move on and travel again, she reads. How fascinating. The librarian smiles again. I find that blue dragons tend to fetishize rainfall, he says. I suppose there is beauty in the simplicity of the cycle, though. Inside the study, it begins to rain. Books and scrolls are quickly soaked, but Switch and the librarian remain dry, untouched by the downpour. Water cascades off stacks of paper, running down the desk and spilling onto the, onto the lush carpet, pooling several inches deep on the floor. Switch can see that when the water touches the walls of the room, it begins to flow upward, 
climbing the bookshelves to reach the ceiling before falling again as rain. The room grows dark, and in the deluge, Switch can see motes of light, tiny stars and meteors, celestial bodies carried away by the flood, falling again and again in the perpetual fountain. Like water, he says, the multiverse has its own cycle, but do not mistake motion for change. The librarian places a hand in the flow of water, and the motes back up, crashing into each other, spilling over, landing in new places, and flowing haphazardly. The predictable cycle is replaced with an unstable, volatile churn. He nods approvingly before removing his hand, and in its place, still blocking the flow, is a dark stone pillar, interlaced with geometric lines of violet. Sometimes, he says, an immovable obstacle causes the greatest chaos. Switch approaches the pillar and begins drawing on it with a wax pencil. When she steps back, she realizes the lines look like nothing so much as scales. The librarian's demeanor then grows serious. He tells her she is right about there being much death in the future. She will need to help her people, as well as what he calls her cousins. Then she is thrown back through the doors of the study and awakes at the gate of wind. There is a multi-hued ring on her finger. It is a ring of unfettered form, which prevents her, it's freedom of movement and it prevents her from being affected by polymorph unless she allows it. Uh, and a license to do the campaign by the traveler. <laughs> right. You don't have to destroy the world. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and we'll find out what happens next, next week. All right, so this week we have our next tier list, subclass tier list for 5th edition. Uh, and we're talking about paladins. Shane, why have you selected paladins this time? Uh, I selected paladins because I wanted to take a look at a class that has spells at, at its core, but I didn't feel like getting into the full spell lists of uh, of, of the full casters. So we, we picked a, a, I don't know, partial caster? Half caster, yeah. Straight up half. Not a third caster, right? True. They, I mean, they have fifth level spells. Let me ask you this question, which is like, as I was going through these subclasses, it was sort of something I ran into, which was, if there's no S tier, do you bump everything? Like, do you bump the best up to S tier? Is it relative or no? It's it's not totally relative. I mean, S tier is still like uh, defining. I think this is interesting. I see your list here. We disagree in many ways oh good but let's get into it quick description for uh these tiers s tier is like you said the best defining uh for the class itself a very good um excellent even b tier middle of the road very playable like be very playable that's the that's like sort of the the bog standard right like nobody complains if you're b tier and above you're gonna have a good experience C tier, you might get some complaints if, I mean, maybe even from yourself, if you feel like you're not able to perform as the archetype that you were shooting for, you might also get some complaints from other people in the party because it seems like you're not pulling your weight. And then F tier, don't take this. Yeah. This is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) F tier, bad. What's your S tier look like? It looks like Oath of Vengeance. 
Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, what are the highlights? Uh, the highlights? Well, all of the best spells. <laughs> so oh, it, the, the spell list is bangers. So yeah, like every spell on its spell list is ex- incredibly good at what's it, what it does. It either sets you up to do a load of damage or just adds more damage yourself. You get haste, um, hold person, hunter's mark, uh, hold monster, right? You get the full gamut of those. And then you also just get banishment and dimension door, which are two spells that are like some things you just cannot deal with if they're not in the party, right? Dimension door solves a fundamental problem, which is sometimes you have to teleport and, uh, banishment solves another fundamental problem, which is some things are better taken out of the fight for a bit. I mean, yes, Dimension Door, sometimes it's a fundamental problem for paladins, specifically, who are melee-based. Yeah. Oh, and if you're concerned, oh, maybe, um, you know, Dimension Door is a, is an action. That's an expensive cost to pay in the middle of a fight. Don't worry, you have Missy Step. You'll never be restrained. You'll never be restricted in movement. You can always get where you need to go. Vow of Enmity is one of your channel divinity options. Uh, as a bonus action, you give yourself advantage on attack rolls against a creature basically permanently yeah for a minute for one minute right that that's an entire combat or until you kill it (laughs) so i guess this is a good good time to point out right like the the break points of paladin so you get third level you get your oath uh and that includes two options for channel divinity and your oath spells which add to your spell list um at every spell level so third fifth ninth 13th and 17th character level um, and then there is a feature at 7th, a feature at 15th, and then there's the capstone at 20, which is some type of form or honestly, I didn't even look at level 20 <laughs> because the idea of going 20 level solo paladin, like whatever, like the quality of the class has long since it's exhausted itself before this capstone. Right. I mean, uh, most of them are in action to use you're you might be able to do them once if you're very lucky two times before you're done with the game yeah and also and actually a lot of them are not worth the action right exactly so whatever uh that what that means though is that for the most part like the quality of each of these subclasses is coming at third level at fifth level with your second level spells at seventh level when you get an oath feature and then at ninth level when you get your third level spells right like that's the majority of the power of the class comes before level 10 everything after that is pretty you know everything after that is why aren't you (laughs) multi-classing um so then at level seven, you'll get Relentless, Avenge- Relentless Avenger, uh, which gives you the chance to um, move after you make an opportunity attack. It's incredibly niche, um, but it means that things can't run away from you easily. Yeah, I mean, you can probably get away with not taking Sentinel or take Sentinel and, you know, now it's ex- extremely powerful, but it doesn't come up all that much. There are definitely subclasses with better seventh level options yeah um 15 is also niche a creature under your valve enmity makes an attack you can attack it i mean that's fine it's off off turn damage yeah and you can smite right yep um and then the level 20 avenging angel like i said like (laughs) zero zero influence on the the power of it but uh and is also bad yeah (laughs) I i mean it lasts an hour 
but you have to spend an action to do it. You get a fly speed of 60 feet and you have a 30 foot radius aura. Yeah, um, the, that, that scares people. It causes and, frightening, yeah. but it gives you advantage against frightened creatures, which is which is fine. Uh, nice. I mean, it puts you in a position where you're like, okay, I waste an action, right? Because like it lasts for more than one combat, but less than two combats, because you're probably not getting in another fight within that one hour yep. if you're smart, right. you know. So, yeah. So now let's let's be very clear here. You have set this at S tier, which means that for you, like the power level of this is defining for the class and everything else, every other subclass comes in below this in terms of power. Now, look at this. We've said strong spell list, strong level three, middling level seven, 15 and 20 don't really matter. I think that is actually pretty accurate in terms of how strong are paladin subclasses across the board. Yeah. They're not very strong. They're not very strong. I mean, the paladin yeah. class is strong, but it's not yes. coming from its subclasses. It's a very strong chassis, yes. Right. But the the thing is, in general, the paladin's best use of its spells is just powering smites, right? Usually, yes. Um, what? Except in niche cases like, you know, I, I Misty Step, right? Well, exactly. And that's what makes this so good right is that it's got a way to give itself advantage which getting advantage increases your chance of critting which therefore increases the value of your smite so that's inherently valuable then it adds a whole bunch of things that either add damage or increase your like reliability uh of of you know controlling the fight to get your smites off hunter's mark is just consistent damage right like it's just good um especially if you're not the priority target <laughs> it's because it's concentration um hold person is amazing because remember if you can get into a situation where you are attacking a paralyzed creature you crit yep. which means your smites crit <laughs> yep um and then haste right like it's a it's an extra full attack um with your full weapon, again, against something, you know, that you're probably getting advantage on that roll or, you know, if you've got any setup from anybody else on the in the party, right? Like you're able to take full advantage of it. You can do it right. to yourself. You can enable the rogue. You can enable somebody else if you need to. It is the class that is the purely distilled damage dealer. Um, in, in a list of classes or subclasses that don't really do anything else well, except measure themselves by the damage that they contribute. It's really good. And I think, so we talked about this last time in Rogue, like when you were examining subclasses, the things that I think make for good ones are ones that either make you better at doing the thing that the class does, right? What makes you a better paladin or what shows up your weaknesses. And Vengeance does a good job of doing both. It makes you... Like a paladin is a Nova burst damage dealer, right? You hit a thing, you smite it, and you keep hitting it and smiting it until you're basically out of spell slots. That's what you're supposed to do. And hopefully they die before you die. Or, or hit points, yeah. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, also paladins do also tend to be glass cannons, right? You you have good armor, but it doesn't matter much after a while. And then since you are doing so much damage, like smart GM, smart monsters tend to go, Oh, I'll kill them first. Right. That would be, that would be a good idea. Yep. 
however, I differ a little bit. I have Vengeance at A tier. It is very, very good. So do My you have an empty S tier? I no, I do not. I do have an S tier. It was it was a squeaker. I have devotion, but we'll get to that later. Great. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about that later. Um all right, let's let's move on to my A tier then. Did you have Vengeance in A tier? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I also have Conquest in A tier. I do not. I have Ancients and Vengeance in A tier. I know why you have Ancients here, and I I don't think it's worth it. But okay. <laughs> as as a GM who played with who ran a game. That included an Ancient's Paladin. There were just so many times you didn't take enough damage from spells. But okay, but let's first talk about Conquest. Okay. So Conquest is, uh, you get a, a few spells that are are good. Uh, Armor of Agathis, fine. Hold Person and Spiritual Weapon at level five. Your, Great. your level two yep. spells are amazing, right? We've already talked about why Hold Person is good. Spiritual Weapon is just more damage, non-concentration, a use of your bonus action. Like it's the it's a perfect complement for Paladin. Um and then, you know, you get some whatever other spells. You end up with Dominate Person uh in level five and Dominate Beast level four. Like they're great spells, but like who cares? You're, You're level 17. Them. So you get a fear aura uh for your channel divinity, the uh conquering presence um and then you also get guided strike now guided strike is just a flat plus 10 bonus to the roll um but it doesn't cost you anything to use and you can see it after you make the roll so it's very helpful to just secure the damage to hit the break point right like we have to we have to hit this thing before it goes next uh i have the chance to do that and secure the kill like that's just very valuable and fits the role of the paladin very well yeah a plus 10 bonus is ridiculous in bounded accuracy there is basically not a scenario in which you can look at the roll and then say i will add plus 10 to that and that will not hit yeah yeah i mean if you roll a one but then you just wouldn't use it right Right, exactly you're not an idiot (laughs) and like even a lot of times a two right is gonna hit um yeah you know like you can get your attack bonus high enough that like you're hitting 18 19 uh ac with a two like all against a lot of enemies that still hits even at, at high levels so right and i think if you're a paladin player like if you think about the way that like your first one or two turns play out right because like average combat is three turns so you don't get a lot of options here like a lot of opportunities you always want to be connecting twice so that you can smite twice right and like it's so annoying when you miss once and you're like, okay, how do I get a reroll? What can I do? This makes sure that you're going to connect. You almost always are going to connect twice and smite twice. Mm-hmm. Plus also Conquering Presence is um, each creature of your choice, which is really nice. We've seen other fear auras where you're, it's, uh, they're not smart, right. uh, smart AOEs. <laughs> and then at level seven, you get Aura of Conquest, which makes frightened creatures uh, within 10 feet uh, have speed zero. And then also they take psychic damage equal to half your paladin level. The the damage is whatever. Um, Reducing creature speed to zero is an incredible enabler. Um, It enables a lot of things with uh, any anything that can knock something down, knock them prone. Right, like now you're just freely giving up advantage, Um, and that's where like 
for me, you've got strong spells and you've got this nice little combo, this this odd control combo that's sitting in the Paladin um, where more damage isn't necessarily going to help the situation. You actually have something else to do. And, you know, the, the Frightened Condition isn't, like, great, but, you know, disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls, I, I mean... It can matter, uh, and it can matter at low levels too. Like at level seven, when this lands, like attacks are still a big problem. So it's not it's not bad. Frighten is a nice debuff, and one of the sort of like annoying things about Frighten is they always run away from you and your melee, right? So that's why this is in here. It reduces their speed to zero, so they can't run away from you. Right. I I like the idea of it. Uh, Unfortunately, it's it only works on creatures that are frightened of you, right? So you can't combo with another player True. who is able to inflict frighten. And the only real way that, like, the only consistent way you have to inflict frighten is your channel divinity, which is once per rest. And I probably would just use guided strike. Uh, and then the fifteen is a little thorns ability. They take psychic damage equal to your charisma modifier if they hit you. Meh. Yeah. At level fifteen, that's not going to matter. Uh, correct. Uh, and then level 20 is actually good. Resistance to all damage. Uh, when you take an attack, you make an additional attack, and then you crit on 19 or 20. Um, again, you know, it has the usual problem of uh, it, it takes an action. an action. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it only lasts a minute. It only lasts a minute, and it's, you know, it's once per long rest. So it's your lead off to the fight. Though it has the rare situation where it actually pays for itself because you're making double attacks so the next round you have made up for your loss of action economy um but it's not you know it's not an automatic pop it at the beginning of the fight kind of thing either right like you know that means you didn't kill someone in the first round right yeah um i i don't know i think this is very good like it, it's it's a paladin i would play which isn't you know, isn't all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the first one alphabetically, right? So when I'm when I was reviewing for this episode, it's the first one I read, and I was like, "All right, is this the standard bearer? Like, is this like I like it and it's good?" And I think for me, it was like, "Is this an A or a B?" And I settled it in at B tier. That's fine. I don't feel that strongly about it. And I think it's just the the mechanics of it. I think could be a little easier to work with my A tier. Like I said, ancients and vengeance, but then my B tier, it's just conquest. What's your B tier look oh, like? Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so I have crown and watchers in, uh, really I do. Yeah. I don't like those at all. I didn't think I did either until I started looking at them through this very distilled lens. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's go through them okay crown for a long time crown was or felt like the weakest of the subclasses because it was the first one released after the php uh correct and and i will be honest with you it's only when you start taking out the high level stuff from crown that it starts to show value right when you look at the core levels of it i think it's a lot better than when you look at 15 and, and 20 because like 20's awful. Like, I'll just like full stop. 20's bad. <laughs> um and and likewise, like 15 is how often are you paralyzed or stunned, right? Like it's whatever. Yeah, it's it's bad. Okay, but uh I don't love the spell list. Spirit Guardians at nine is great. 
Yep. So Spirit Guardians is great. Uh, Zone of Truth, a spell that <laughs> is already on your spell list, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that feels like <laughs> a mistake. <laughs> uh, but you get warding bond, which is a pain in the butt to get, unless I don't I don't remember if that actually got added to the paladin list later. For for a while you could only get it from cleric, which seemed like an oversight. Uh as far as I know, it's still only cleric. Yeah. So warding mm-hmm. bond is a is is again like one of those things. It's a bodyguard not, ability. Yeah, exactly. Not easy to get and a pain to deal with. Uh you get banishment, which is like, like we've talked about, like just mm-hmm. sometimes like having it makes or breaks the situation. Um and then you also get aura vitality, which is a which is a very nice heal. Um, not necessarily what you want to um, use in combat, but yeah, definitely nice if you need to keep moving for some reason and you need splash healing. Um, you know, it's a tough cost to pay a third level smite for it, but like if you don't have a choice, like you know, it's what twenty d six hit points. For a third level spell, like that's good. <laughs> Just a good spell. The channel divinity is uh first of all, it's a bonus action to uh force a duel. <laughs> Basically keeps a creature from moving more than 30 feet away from you. Um not great. But what you do have here is turn the tide, which is again a bonus action, uh, and lets you regain hit points, which is actually a thing that's hard to do um, without losing your action for lay on hands, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a bonus action mass heal, so yes, that is hard to come by. It's not a lot of hit points, so be careful when you use it because you could be getting someone up to like four hit points when they were going to be ignored and now they're going to be murdered. Well. Um, you know, I mean, sure, but like. <laughs> also, it's this is weird. Each creature of your choice that can hear you, right? And I just feel like there are stickler GMs out there who are going to be like, no, they're unconscious. They can't hear you. <laughs> if I know anything about comas, it's that they can. <laughs> um, uh, champion you, challenge, you're right. Is, you're, you're right. Is though, not, that is that is like some wording that like if you're extremely dense about that this ability is awful and it's completely useless. Uh, I would not. No, but I mean, there's, there's nothing in the rules that says that when you are unconscious, you cannot hear things, right? Because you can be woken up from sleep and that is technically unconscious, right? <laughs> right. Right. Um, champion challenge is bad. Yes. You are not a tank. And so abilities that help a paladin draw aggro in 5e D&D are very thematic in terms of the way people like to play paladins, but they are very bad because they will get you killed immediately. Which brings us to level seven. Divine Allegiance. <laughs> Which is probably why I hate this so much. <laughs> so here's the thing, is that when you look across the level sevens, they're not good. <laughs> like, ah, this is probably where we disagree, but again, we'll get to it later. So what, what this is, is a way to ensure that you are focused when something else is a priority, right? When you have no spells as a paladin, you are completely useless because of your uh, you know, your lack of smites. When your big smites are gone, you're easily ignored, right? Like a level one smite is is kind of not worth 
continuing to prioritize you. So if you're not at the beginning of your your workday, but at the end of your workday, paladins are just struggling for something to do, right? They're just buff bots. So being able to just take damage and just be a hit point sink is actually good. <laughs> Um, especially if you've got something like a rogue or, you know, some, some other class that you need to like peel damage for like a caster. Um, sometimes it's just better to lose your paladin when they have no spell slots than it is to lose something else that's still actually fighting. I would much rather just like stand there and take the dodge action and know that everyone takes half damage from fireball. <laughs> okay. Fifteenth uh, level, terrible. Um, is it? I mean, well, most of the fifteenth level abilities are bad, or at least fine. But this, to like you said, how often are you making a saving throw against paralyzed or stunned? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bad. It's 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 a <laughs> tier of abilities that should be ribbons that aren't. Uh, this one is the least. Or one of the less ribbony of the ribbons. <laughs> It'll be that one time where you're like, wait a second, I forgot I had this. Yeah, very much so. I mean, and the 20 is bad. Like, Let me rule advantage. I still fail. Again, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I genuinely do not care about either the 15 or 20. Like, that's not why I yeah, have this here. The 20 is also bad. Um, yeah, no, I, I come down to like, I, I, I would actually play Crown. Because of flavor? Uh, because it actually, like, it feels like a paladin, right? Like, the the smite, the smite bomb piece of it is, like, kind of the least paladin-feeling thing to me about paladins, right? Like, the idea that, like, you know, vengeance, it's like, I, I swear my oath against you, and I'm going to smite you, but every other paladin is is literally just like, ah, I smite everything I walk up against. Like divine retribution, right? And like it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but at least this one like has the like like you said, like it has the mass heal element. It has the sort of like impose yourself uh and protect your allies kind of element to it, like a little more active and direct than, for example, devotion. Interesting. I like the flavor of crown right like it i think it, it's in the sword coast book mm -hmm. same one that has like purple dragon knight um but i just feel like the the abilities don't quite come together and then in in practice yeah i just want almost anything now to be fair i have a i have a lot of paladin subclasses down in f but i have crown in f wow i would not i would not play it interesting i mean mm -hmm. look again like if you looked on just raw power level by level i would agree that like crown's not good right but like i said if you discount the 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 15 and 20 uh as much as i do because i don't think they're you should basically ignore them yes. realistic uh i i you know i think there's a lot to like in the early levels here we will agree to disagree it, it feels like that's landing at its c tier <laughs> 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 you know what you know what? i could i could buy it at c tier i'm not moving it but i could buy it at c tier well i'm i'm okay so i will speaking of we didn't do oh, this okay. we didn't do this last time but we we have never so we should be creating the combined like tier list right so i feel like oh, I, like actually agree on it okay uh, yeah. we'll go back and do rogue 
Yeah. So, but I actually don't know that. Well, I think we're gonna have to like Rogue hash we were, it out over devotion. We'll see. Rogue, we were pretty close on. Um, I'm fine with it. Okay, talk to me about what. Oh no, yeah, talk to me about Watchers because you have that at B tier. I do, and I have it at F. <laughs> Although I think it, I think it was borderline C. So let's let's take a look. So. Oath of the Watchers is the paladin dedicated to fighting extraplanar, specifically far realm threats. Uh, in flavor, I agree. In practice, <laughs> it's it's the way of getting uh, advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma um, at level three, which is not easy to do because that's basically spells, right? Uh, I am. You should always be playing gnomes. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, sure. The whole party should be gnomes all the time. Okay. So if you want to know how good hold person is, wait till it's used against you. <laughs> so okay, so channel divinity channel divinity uh washers will uh lets you give advantage for up to a minute uh to a number of creatures equal to your charisma modifier. I agree that the ability is good. I hate that it costs you an action. Uh, fair enough. Um, but, like, that's where we're at in Paladins. <laughs> like, that's I, I mean, the I, cost I, of I doing Paladin have, right now. I want Guided Strike, right? Give me Guided Strike. Oh, I agree. That's why Conquest is A tier. Why, yes, why, con <laughs> why Conquest is up there. Now, I think at first glance, the spell list's feels like okay there's stuff to work here like moonbeam is you know additional damage you got counterspell but remember your counterspell will not work yeah no um your counterspell is only reliable against things that are uh third level and below which like your ninth level at the point where you get counterspell it has a very limited uh shelf life yeah uh cuz basically no monsters in as much as monsters even cast spells anymore no monsters are using their, you know, second level spells by the time you get to level 13. So, and no monster is fighting you with like their second, secondary or tertiary stat, <laughs> which you are using, right? You are using charisma on this counter spell. Correct. But you do get banishment and you do get hold monster. So it has mm -hmm. some high end. It does value. exist, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I like Abjure the Extra Planar. It is an action, annoying, right? Uh, but it affects Aberration, Celestials, Elementals, Fae, or Fiend. So that's fine. Yeah, that's basically you turn um, non, uh, you turn those creature types uh, for, uh, for a minute uh, or until they take damage. Uh, it also, you know, I like that it's level one spells, um, Alarm and Detect Magic are ritual. I think there's a lot of value um, in that. They're actually usable regularly. But but can you cast them as rituals? Because you don't have the thing that says oh, can you, you can not? cast spells as rituals. This yeah, it's a it's a class feature for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> it's why rangers also get screwed over that way. Oh, I hate this edition so much sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, you're never going to use Alarm or Detect Magic. That's fine. I mean, no, I, no, I wasn't yeah. really betting a lot on it. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, look, these are all, unfortunately, like everything from B tier down is flawed choices. 
in the paladin so it is what it is um now i will say i might be being convinced to move this up to my to move it up to c tier because now you know i like the level seven it's not particularly strong but you know you and allies within 10 feet of you uh get a bonus to initiative equal to your proficiency bonus i disagree i actually disagree that i think this is like uh, amongst level seven it's one of the stronger ones like it's your proficiency bonus right so it is oh yeah no it's great it scales well right yeah exactly it's like one of the few ones that scale going first is almost always better and like an alpha strike that can actually like you know boost the other uh other members of the party to ensure that they also go because like the worst thing that happens for paladin is you're you're reliant on enablers in order to maximize your damage right somebody has hold person or somebody has you know some something that's useful for you that's going to grant you advantage or or paralyze or something like that and then you go first and they go second and the monster goes third and you miss your window right I will say the other thing that happens is like you're definitely not deck space. You probably tanked decks because you have heavy armor. Yeah. Right. So very often the paladin goes last exactly in the party. And so you're like, great, I'm gonna kill something. I'm gonna kill something. Well, every enemy gets a turn first before you can kill it. I yeah, exactly. So like this is like a real benefit here, right? Like for your classic eight or 10 decks paladin. Like, I think this is actually shoring up a big weakness. Um, that's something that I don't even usually rate as highly <laughs> in these tier lists. Like I like things that just do their thing better, but like this actually just is a huge benefit. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think this is like sets it apart from basically all of F tier on its own right regardless of any other ability just the fact that it can go earlier and it it keeps the other enabler classes going ahead of it as well is like it's chef's kiss yeah i mean for now i've moved it up to c for me let's look at the rest of it not that it matters well it's not going to change your opinion yeah it doesn't (laughs) yeah uh a middling amount of damage to creatures that make you make saving throws bah now is this the first one we've talked about the 20th level feature is a bonus action to activate it is which is good it it only lasts for a minute but it is also reusable if you use a fifth level spell slot which is another thing which is how how every single level 20 paladin ability should be written Mm mm-hmm but I think it's the only one that is. It, it may well be. Uh, so it is a better design in general uh, than everything else. The problem is, you know, it's a it's a level twenty ability, and it's also like themed around this class. So you gain true sight. Actually, pretty good. I'm, you know, like it's not nothing. You gain advantage on attack rolls against aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey, and fiends. Good in the right combat. Useless in the wrong combat. I mean, to be fair, if you have a Watcher's Paladin in your campaign, you're going to be facing those things. Like, if you aren't, your GM is a jerk. Like, I mean, that's... I turn it on and I hit every single person in this dinner party just to make sure they're not an aberration, <laughs> celestial, elemental, <laughs> fey, or fiend. Because I don't need to know that they are. I just walk up and <laughs> flick them in the ear. That's right. Did I get advantage? <laughs> um. Uh, and then when you hit hit a creature and deal damage, that you can force a charisma save, and on a fail, they are banished. Which is cool. That's 
any creature that's not tied by type. Well, if it banished to its native plane of existence, if it's not currently there. So if if you're on the material plane and you're fighting non-extraplanar things, then nothing happens to it. Well, sure, but it still has to make a charisma saving throw. Weirdly, though, yeah. <laughs> Nothing happens if it fails, but it does have to make exactly. the save. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's successful, then it can't be banished for another 24 hours. So, you know, if you then see them again the next uh, the next morning Ooh, on a different plane. And, and it, then this is useless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't force the save. <laughs> yeah, do not. Um. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I, look, again, like, I just come back to, like, this is, it, is it vengeance? No. Is it conquest? No. Uh, is it playable? Yeah. Uh, That's all I can ask for in B tier here. An initiative bonus for me is not enough to play a class. Well, uh, hang on. It's an initiative bonus. And Watchers will. Right. The uh I the I dis I dislike watchers well. It is an action. And it lasts one minute. Well that's and a, it's only that's intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. So you know, we'll just get fireballed to death. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's a risk. <laughs> now I mean yeah, yeah, if you're playing in the right campaign, and that's the thing. Like it is it is niche. Put in the right campaign, we know we're fighting mind flayers for the next three levels. Sure. Which is what this is for. Uh, I don't know. That still feels like B tier to me, but we should move on. Move on. <laughs> because this is probably going to set the uh, set the market for everything else. So in C tier, I have Devotion and Ancients. I know you have them far above. That's so interesting. Yeah, I have Devotion at S tier. The only thing at S tier, and then I have Ancient, Ancients in B tier, but let's talk about it. And I think maybe the difference is that we are valuing the level seven aura very differently. Uh, almost certainly. Okay. So sacred weapon, meh, take it or leave it. I I like turn the unholy in terms of like these channel divinity options for turning things, right? Because it's uh, fiender undead. You're always fighting fiender undead, right? It's always going to be a useful option. You may not always use it. Um, Protection from evil and good, great spell. You have dispel magic, but again, you're not going to be great at using dispel magic. So it's kind of a, a wash there. But unlike counterspell, you can prep, right? You can be like, okay, I need to dispel this thing. Somebody guidance me so that I can do that, mm -hmm. right? Um, Flame strike commune, you know, you get those at 17th level, but they're fine and good. The aura of devotion, the issue for me is that, and it's very gamey, it's you and creatures within your aura cannot be charmed. You are immune to charm, which means you are immune to dominate because that causes the charm condition. Mm -hmm. And when I am GMing a game and there is a paladin in it, the main thing that you want to do is dominate that paladin and make them smite their friends. <laughs> that, that is the absolute best way to deal with a paladin is turn them against the party. And this completely prevents that. 
I, I think it just meshes so well with like at level 10, all paladins are, are immune to frighten. Um, you're immune to like, you know, diseases. You, you've got, you know, the boost to saving throws for everybody and yourself. And then this was just like no charm, mm -hmm. right? Are we going to the Feywild? Don't care. Like they're, they're not messing with our heads at all. And then I, you know, I like the 15 as well, right? Permanent protection, evil and good, which means you're never going to get possessed. Uh, and a disadvantage from, um, you know, creatures that you often face. And then, you know, level 20 doesn't matter and it isn't particularly good. Half of protection from evil and good is already encompassed by a prior ability. So, like, that on its own is really bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the level 20 is, like, it's flawed like all the other ones. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yes, I also see the value of Aura of Devotion. But to me, like, one, that's incredibly gamified to to consider it that way uh and two like you get nothing for that right like like literally nothing else in this class helps you you're literally like you're saying all the value of this is on its level seven mm, i don't know like i i would rather play the game um and the other things like let me do things every other part of this class is just bad i think the seven is so strong i like turn the unholy sacred weapon is an action which is really annoying it's so bad because it's an action like yeah how long does it last a it minute lasts one minute yeah um yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't use it uh, it literally just has a pile of abilities you'll never use dispel magic you might sometimes use an aura of devotion which is like it it prevents the one trick that like you know like at a certain point if that's what your gm is doing every time then sure i guess you should have taken aura of devotion and that's lousy gming but it's not just it's not just you right it is it is important great i'm immune to dominate right but it's also your friends who have crappy wisdom saving throws. Sure. And that that's also why I like ancients, right? It's all your friends who have terrible dexterity saving throws <laughs> or constitution saving throws, right? Um it it's their it's bread and butter obstacles that you're going to face. Like you don't need a GM who's like trying to screw you over or trying to charm you just if they're just picking random monsters out of the monster manual like this stuff is going to come up um i will say and this is anecdotal but jim played a vengeance paladin and then as part of the story he retconned to devotion paladin mm -hmm. and in play he was like this is so much stronger i i picked vengeance because of story but Devotion is definitely OP. Now, that could have been his play style. And we, we were playing like, you know, in the very early days, right? Starting in the play test. So this was probably like 20, yeah, this is 2014, 2015 when he like switched. Um, so like there were a lot of other things that weren't available. He was straight paladin well, at he, that point. He was also at higher levels, right? Yes, that's also so true. Like when he you switched switch to like at level 15. 15. Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, now you're getting... You're getting a different sense of the value. So um That's true because now vengeance is sort of like petering. It's off. already lost all like all of the value of, of vengeance was in those early levels when you were strong. <laughs> like um 
But yeah, I mean, look, this just comes down to like how much do you rate that ability? Um, where did you have I would it? Build, I would build a character around getting to level seven Devotion Paladin. That's what I would do. But I think I think reasonable reasonable people can disagree. Yeah, there's some other things where I don't think they can, but this this they can. What um? So where did you had it at A? No S. The only thing at, at S. S. Oh man, mm-hmm. we are very far apart on this one. We are. We are very far. Uh, like apart. let's let's look at ancients. Okay, let's look at then. ancients because we- I basically put these close. Right, I have this in. I have this in A, along with and along with vengeance. Let me just double check. Yeah, I have this in A. Okay, so uh, Ancients, I had at C. Um, real quick, it gets all of the lousy oath spells that you've come to expect, except for Misty Step. Um, right, Misty Step, great. Basically, and, and I thought it got speak with animals as a ritual. It doesn't, so even nope. worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nature's Wrath, Channel Divinity, bad. Turn the Faithless is turning Fae and Fiends. Great. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Uh, I'm here for the level seven again, which is you and creatures in your aura get resistance to damage from spells. Now, again, as we, as we talked before, you know, more and more creatures are going to be doing, are going to be casting spells less and less often. Yep. But certainly in the context of, you know, all the monsters that currently exist, but then all the, it's not only monsters that deal damage from spells it's traps that throw a glyph of warding at you it is this actually came up in morning glory 2 it's the tell it's teleport it's oh we teleported and we ended up in the wrong place and so we splinched ourselves <laughs> and now we take a bunch of damage from teleporting wrong no you take half yeah that. i didn't didn't and tell i was a like frag. how do i is there right is there a way that like literally, you know, Susie, Susie brought it up because this was her palette and she was like, oh, but that's a spell, isn't it? And I was like, God damn it. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is damage from a spell. You give everyone resistance to damage from all spells. Damn it. It works. Yes. Okay. So I, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the, the problem with this is fundamentally you as the paladin are either sitting at the front line wailing on something that uh you know you might have somebody else there with you uh within 10 feet or you're charging ahead into the back line to geek the mage in which case you are alone and this is only really benefiting you right Uh, but if if you are not keeping people in your aura then you are not playing your 5e paladin correctly because your aura also includes the bonus to saving throws. Sure. Like, that's every paladin. Sure, fine. And at 18, this is great. But the 10-foot thing is the problem of, like, you know, like, now we're all bunched up and, like, it's just, like... like. But that's that's the thing, right, is everyone always bunches around the paladin because they want the bonus to saving throws. But that makes you a target for AoE, but... This prevents the damage from most AOE. Uh, yeah, as long as there's damage, sure. Uh, AOE, damage is not the worst thing that can come from AOE. <laughs> I mean, hypnotic pattern is the worst thing that can happen <laughs> like, in AOE. Right. Um, and, and also just like, you know, again, like, fine. Just walk up and start hitting things then, right, is is the answer to that. Like, if you've got, like, you know, for all the, the same gamification problems uh, with, like, you know, the value of devotion... 
like if you're going to just all pile around within two squares of the paladin like then things are just going to walk up and hit your mage and hit your like your archer and hit your whatever uh and now you get to deal with that problem right so i just like I like I know this is strong. Uh, I just think it's like very overstated until you get to 18, in which case, like basically the whole party is safely in your aura. And then, yeah, it's like it's OP, uh, you know, again, as long as things are still casting spells in your campaign because you're not using newer monsters. But like I'm willing to kind of overlook that a little. I think I think especially this late into 5e, there's just no way you're going to convince other people in your party not to hang out near you. Right, you can be like, "Look, I'm I'm running up and I'm going to kill this thing because that's what I do," and they'll be like, "Great, I'm right behind you, <laughs> literally behind you," because I'm scared, but also I'm way too scared not to be in your, you know, plus three to saving throws aura. Uh, I mean, being far away from you is also valuable too. <laughs> if you're the biggest threat, not being near the threat helps. I mean, but in the back line, I also die. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I mean, look, I like, yeah, I this is and and the and this has a very good 15 uh right once yeah, well, per long rest don't die yeah yeah don't die yeah <laughs> or don't drop to zero yeah i mean that's and great it, plus a cool ribbon yeah not uh not being able to uh age magically or suffer the uh drawbacks of old age like i like that's, it that's like that's beowulf it is um i actually like i like ancients more than devotion um for those reasons but like they're all incremental to me and like again it's like a lot of bad hanging on like this one thing that is just again like so niche <laughs> it feels like pure c i i definitely can't see how resistance to damage from all spells all the time is niche it's resistance for you like that part of it, I and, don't disagree and, with. But like, and the, like the rest of the and the rest of the party I, for the most part. I don't think the ten foot range is like is as automatic as you think. I, I really think like the 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 ten feet on the aura is the issue. Like at eighteen, it's huge, right? But like I mean, everything think, is huge well, at eighteen. <laughs> I think this is interesting. Then I would like to hear from listeners. Are you always tagging along with your paladin? Paladin players are people clustering in your umbrella, and how often are they successful, right? Because they can want to do it and it may not necessarily work right. or, you know, it could just be that, you know, we're playing on a grid and we are, we're in little hallways and even if I'm not trying to be in your 10-foot aura, I end up there anyway, Yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested in to hear people's play style because I think that affects that affects a lot of these ratings and we're doing this based on what we've seen in play. But that's interesting because we've basically seen the same things in play. <laughs> I well no, I mean we both play in D and D games separately too. <laughs> like, like the and like I I mean our home group has habits that annoy when the do, hell out of me. When do like you this. play? When do you play D and D games that I am not running? <laughs> Are you kidding? I like I, I. Do you remember when I run Adventures League at a Catacon every year? <laughs> oh yeah, once a year. Well, I you know for five years. <laughs> Five times, five times you saw the paladin run out ahead. Okay, all right, all right. Um, no, I've, uh, I've I've run a bunch of con games and and different things. Yeah. All right. Wait, wait. So where are we now? We are at we're in C tier, right? We're in C tier. Like I'm I'm willing to like give you a B tier on these things. In that, like you're right, those things are strong enough. People aren't going to get mad at you. Um, 
I'm, I'm willing to I definitely to can't go that. lower than A. I, I can't go lower than I, I could move devotion down to A and then nothing's in S. And then I've got devotion, ancients, vengeance all sitting at A. The, the like the original three. That is just wild to me that vengeance has useful abilities at every level and you think it's worse or not mm. better than the other two things in the book that are clearly not I, it. I, I, don't, I don't think they're useful at every level. I mean, every single spell in its spell list is actually playable. Oh, no, no. It's killer spell list. 100%. Well, we'll sort this let's, in a bit. <laughs> right. Let's talk about the, the also-rans, uh-huh. though. So, Redemption, Glory, and Oathbreaker. <laughs> the F-tier. Right. I, yeah, actually I have redemption and glory at C, but they have very little going for them and Oathbreaker, I have, I have an F. I don't know that that's really fair because it was showed up in the DMG. It's not really supposed to be for players and that's why it's just so awful. Yeah. It's, it's quite, quite useless. It, you, you buff all undead all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't turn it off. And you can't turn it off. It's yeah, it's <laughs> right. Like it should not be don't, played by players. Don't play yeah. this. Right. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about talk the real about ones. <laughs> glory and redemption. Cause we both have them low. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like because redemption a little bad. better. I do like redemption better. And, and I like the flavor of redemption better. Um, because it's just so different from anything else that we see from a paladin but i love that they're like the i love the idea of a paladin wanting to go in a pacifism direction but they don't do enough because the paladin class mechanically is not a pacifist you don't yeah that's not what you do it's a passive fist (laughs) that's very active uh in throwing haymakers so what i like about uh redemption uh spell list spell list has hypnotic pattern which is amazing it has Mm -hmm. hold person it has hold monster Mm -hmm. classic uh i even think sleep uh has some play here Uh um especially at low level when you get it right at level three sleep is still a good spell like i think that's a a, and especially for this for this character right right Right? even calm emotions is not a good spell but you know, it, it it makes sense thematically in here. Counterspell, again, you're not going to be great at it, but I'm not going to be like, oh, no, I hate that I have Counterspell on my list, you know? Mm, yeah, I kind of hate it, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> the Channel Divinity is uh, Emissary of Peace is actually, I think, awesome, uh, just Agree. in the sense that it's a bonus action. It gives you plus five bonus to Charisma, uh, Persuasion checks for 10 minutes, and it has nothing to do in combat and does not take your action. Like, yeah like yep. just hey something to use this that isn't competing with just doing my my good stuff in combat that instantly makes it one of the best channel divinities in the class this will this will see use in every every session right um and then rebuke the violent which is uh when an attacker within 30 feet deals damage to a creature you can um make it take radiant damage equal to the damage it just dealt um i let it's a reaction to use this channel divinity that's great yeah and you're only going to use it when it's going to do something useful the the problem with it is that you're going to spend the whole session wondering if you should use emissary of peace or hold on to rebuke the violent uh and you're going to have the constant temptation of just waiting for the better use uh and i'm going to hate that but 
I think you just need to decide, am I going to talk to this person or am I going to punch this person? Or am I going to get them to punch my friend so that I can rebuke them for it? Um, anyway, regardless. You know that I hate the level seven. Two extremely playable channel divinities and then a very <laughs> hilariously <sighs> bad level seven. Yes. So you could use a reaction and take the damage on behalf of, uh, of an ally within 10 feet. Yeah. I mean, why throw in the 10 feet thing? It's already so bad. Yeah. Uh, hey, at 18, it increases to 30. Ooh. Um, yeah. I mean, look, the problem is you can't mitigate the damage in any way. Um, you already, like, are not a big, necessarily a big pool of health of hit points. You don't have a ton of defenses to, to mitigate that stuff. You don't have any healing with this class. And then you want to be smiting as much as you can, not just getting hit. I think it has some redeeming value in the sense that eventually you run out of smites and then what are you doing? Well, fine, I can at least donate my hit points. We've already talked about that, but it's still wrapped right. in a, just a bad overall class. Yeah, I also hate that it, you don't just take the hit, right? You only take the damage and it specifically says it doesn't transfer any other effects. So like you can't stop your friend from, you know, getting petrified or poisoned or I don't know, just straight up dead whatever right like all those effects still affect them you just take the damage yeah um 15 is so bad you get a middling amount of i mean you get a decent amount of hit points well at level 15 when you get it you will get d6 plus 7 hit points if you end combat with less than half your hit points and aren't incapacitated right so it can't even get you up <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not good um, um now here here's the interesting thing the level 20 is passive it's always on you do not need to activate it mm -hmm. except i like it except uh it turns off <laughs> if you do anything <laughs> <laughs> so you get resistance to all damage dealt by other creatures everything attacks spells other effects any damage that they deal you get except resistance. great <laughs> that if you use your level seven ability to take the damage it doesn't apply because it can't be reduced in any way so oops <laughs> yeah now when a creature hits you with an attack it automatically takes radiant damage equal to half the damage Fine. Uh, that you take cool I love that you're just, you get up in the morning and you're walking around like this all the time, right? You can be an emissary of peace, right? The problem then comes if you attack a creature, cast a spell on it, or deal damage to it, the benefit doesn't work against that creature. Like it, it now can like attack you normally mm -hmm. and hurt you normally. Mm -hmm. I, I do like that it is that specific creature, right? So you can be in combat and be like, well, I'm going to murder this one. And it doesn't matter that I am no longer protected from it because it's dead, right? And in the meantime, all the other enemies around are still having to deal with like me having resistance right. and all of that. Yeah. So, and it's passive, right? You don't have to waste an action. Certainly it's going to get more use, which would be any than the vast majority of level 20 paladin abilities. Mm -hmm. But as an entire package, you put it together. I mean, I have this, at, I have it at C, you know, I don't think it's useless. I think there are some good abilities, but I think we've built pacifist characters before and I, I would not use this to do it. Uh, yeah. Look, it's a, 
it is fundamentally a class that or a subclass that does not want to be its class. Right. So hello F tier. <laughs> like I don't know what else to tell you. Like I like it has good ideas, right? Like mm-hmm. behind like for example the channel divinities, I like those ideas. Um the spell list like you know it has some good stuff in there, but like the class just does not want you to do the thing that you're here to do. Doesn't make any sense to me. It's not good. Don't play it. All right. And we've been talking for forever. So let's just get to glory. I think this one's from Theros, right? And we pretty well tore it apart when we saw it in that book to begin with. Yep. Uh, Haste is on the spell lists, which is great, but that's really about it. Uh, yep. Uh, that's all it gets on its spell list that's of, of any note. I, well, I suppose, uh, you know what, Flame Strike in this class is actually probably a redeeming quality um, because it doesn't have anything else going for it. Um, mm. Peerless Athlete, I actually like because you're only going to use it if it's going to be useful to you, right? So for 10 minutes, you get advantage on athletics and acrobatics checks and your carrying capacity is doubled and you increase high and long jumps by 10 feet. Increasing high jumps by 10 feet is a lot. That's, um, yeah, pretty ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, like, again, pre- pretty niche. But yes, you will, you will only pop this if you're like, oh, now we are playing Frogger, right? <laughs> I mean, very few creatures can jump their height. <laughs> like, like, I mean, so, so let's humanoids. See, it's... <laughs> it's three so high jumps are with a running start are three feet plus your strength modifier so you're probably starting at like six feet and then which is already is now superhuman to be clear it's it's insane (laughs) and now you're it's a six 16 foot running vertical yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) that's like that that beats pole vault numbers okay (laughs) (laughs) so so, is it really cool that you can do that yes (laughs) is it all that useful usually i mean actually at at whatever third level probably it's probably useful for a couple of levels (laughs) no it's not until level five when everyone else is just flying it's not (laughs) jumping 16 feet in the air is never useful I well oh here's the thing you are a paladin so you are stuck at the bottom of that pit trap you survived the the pit trap you fell on some spikes and you survived you lay on hands and now you have no way out of that pit uh, you're in heavy armor does that matter I don't care <laughs> <laughs> I, I, right I I crouch down and I super Mario jump out of here <laughs> um, uh, and then inspiring smite is bad. Yeah, so uh, it takes a bonus action. When you use your smite, you can then distribute up to 2d8 plus your level uh, amongst creatures of your choice in temporary It should be 2d8 plus level to every creature. <sighs> yeah, um, they were really worried about giving out temporary hit points, apparently. Um, For some reason. Yeah, I mean, well, because they're really, really good if you can give them out consistently, and they're really, really bad if you can't give them out more than once. So this yeah. is uh the latter um so a couple temporary hit points to a bunch of people is not that great um Mm-mm. and so it is what it is it's also going to bog the game down because you're like all right i have 17 to divide how many do i give to this person and how many do i give to the yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's annoying 
um, the aura feature at level seven is bad, bad. I think it's the worst. I think it's the worst. I think you're right. I think it you're right. It increases walking speed while they're in your aura. And and it's only a five foot aura. Mm-hmm. And then their walking speed increases by 10 feet, which let me do the math on this. I think takes them out of your aura. It does. Yes. <laughs> Unless you follow them. <laughs> yeah. Look, if it made sense, it wouldn't be F tier. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be the, the absolute worst. Uh, glorious defense at level 15. Uh, I didn't even read this. I hated the beginning of it so bad. I, what does it do? Um, you see a creature, ugh, again, within 10 feet of you. Hit use your reaction, give it a bonus. Uh, it's it's fine. Like you're probably only going to use it to make attacks miss, and you do get to use it charisma modifier times per long rest. So you can just sort of like toss them out. But I mean, you'll you'll toss them out until you're out, and you know you won't have them for the rest of the day. Yeah, I mean it's it's because right? there's literally no reason to not use it. It's a shield spell, right? Like it, it just it gives you. Somewhere between a baby and a real shield, fine. Um, it's level fifteen is the problem. Yep. You know, like it's it might be too little, too late. But either way, you're not getting it for a long time. Level twenty, living legend. Um, this is your you know bonus action. You gain your alternate form for one minute. You're blessed with uh, otherworldly presence. You get advantage on charisma checks uh, once on each turn. You can hit instead of miss with a weapon attack, and on a failed save, you can re-roll uh, as a reaction. All great abilities. Just problem is it's level 20, and everything up to that point, well, really yep. everything up to level 15 has been awful. Um, so You suffered through, I don't know, four years of gaming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. To get advantage on charisma checks. <laughs> cool <laughs> and some other stuff um yeah meanwhile the bard has glibness right yeah it's look it it's bad it's fine yeah it's mm-hmm. it's fine that something is left here <laughs> okay those are the paladins all right so let's sort this out i think so mu- so much of this depends on play style true but i'm happy to drop glory to f no problem okay now that i've suffered through reading it again <laughs> <laughs> you still want to keep uh redemption in C? Oh yeah. Oh no, I have it at oh hmm. Uh I don't think it's useless. Is it mm, but uh, it does it does go against the whole idea of being a paladin. It, yeah. In this in this version of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, bah, no, yeah, I guess I guess it is F. I like the idea of it so much, but yeah, it's F. Yeah, I know. I love the idea of it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, there isn't enough, there isn't enough design space for this to work is the problem. Right. 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 Like there's just not enough space or, for it. Or at least it, it needs to do a whole lot more or like exchange abilities or something, you know, but it, it you know, doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. We've got a real impasse at, at the S tier. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay moving having nothing at s and moving devotion ancients vengeance i could even do devotion ancients vengeance conquest all at a nothing at s nothing at b watchers at c and then crown oathbreaker glory redemption all at f 
Although we talked about Crown a little bit. I would uh, I would move Crown up to C. Yeah, I feel like Crown is I, C. Uh, it's not useless. Okay. I, yeah, I, I don't think I can go higher than that. I can, I can live with it. So there's no B tier. Right. They're either like play these, like pick just pick one of these, or don't pick any of these. Hmm. Which I guess feels about right like how have you ever seen most of these paladins played i've seen almost every rogue played no uh i mean basically vengeance is the only one you see played uh occasionally devotion ancients is, is like way underplayed that's the other part of it like man it feels weird to have ancients in b tier to be honest like every part it's of that so is bad good. except people for play, level seven. you should people you should play ancients every it's, every part of that is so bad except for level seven like devotion i can at least buy is like is the paladin like that you've come to expect except it has like the weird overpowered spite um ancients is like what are we doing here like what is this class i feel weird about that being on the same level as devotion and vengeance let me look at ancients again let me just look at ancients again what are the other i mean just look at its spells like just compare those and you're like clearly devotion is better uh i mean yeah misty step's great and that's it um, I like Turn the Faithless compared to the other things, although it is no Guiding Strike. Undying Sentinel's really good. But you know what? I think that does make it... I think that makes it a, a B. Okay. I'll allow it. So that lands us on our final tier list here of no S-tier paladins. A-tier of Vengeance, Conquest, and Devotion. B-tier is Ancients. C tier, crown and watchers, and F tier is redemption, which I think we agree is a fair few steps ahead of glory, which is a fair few steps ahead of Oathbreaker. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about Oathbreaker, but we don't have to. Yeah, Oathbreaker is, is yeah. quite literally unplayable for players. Like, it's not a player-facing class. Uh, it's in the DMG, it, and, you know, anywhere that isn't a book really needs to have a disclaimer on it that says this is not meant for players, because you can get very confused by just seeing it in the list with everything else. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's F tier, Redemption, Glory, Oathbreaker. I feel good about right. this. I feel weak. I feel I feel good about this consensus. Me too, actually, weirdly. I mean, I really it feels weird that vengeance is an S tier, but like I'll allow it. It just doesn't have enough extra oomph. It starts off it starts off strong and then nothing else happens. Well, you know, that's the majority of the game is starting out. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's that's why this class is good. Because you have to start out. <laughs> All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? <laughs> that is the sound of a person in full plate just leaping 16 feet into the air <laughs> and then crashing, crashing down back to earth. And I think I think that fall kills them because there's nothing in there about resisting falling oh, yeah. down. We're going to need some new kneecaps, <laughs> but it's yeah. time to move on to the Character Creation Forge. Before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sense Carne, and that's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. We own it again after it was hacked. For like Ooh. 10 minutes it was fine. I, yeah. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. You know, there's also a TikTok. 
there's just there's nothing posted. We just parked it. Oh, yeah. Hmm. There's a LinkedIn too. Similarly, huh? oh, <laughs> right there is, and uh, and a Reddit, um, uh, a subreddit, mm-hmm. yeah. Which also, I think, I think there are a couple of posts. Yeah, I don't know. Most of the people like Discord. We'll talk. Oh, about this it. exists. Yeah, that's going. Yeah, we parked it. Okay. Anyway, uh, w- w- uh, character creation forge is Major uh, Matoko Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell. Yes, because it is anime. Burr, 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 burr. Nope, that's not the right music. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is your favorite month because you don't have to write any of these character creation forges. <laughs> uh, it's a double-edged sword. It's also uh, it's a single-edged it's the, sword it, folded hundreds of times. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's the month where I don't know anything that's going on. <laughs> All right. So the major from Ghost in the Shell. She's the head of public security section nine. And she is a cyborg in that the only part of her that is still human is, I believe it's her brain and part of her spinal cord because she was in a terrible accident when she was a child. And now her entire body is cybernetic, which makes her amazing at so many things like um, she's extraordinarily strong. She's excellent at firearms. She's extremely acrobatic. She can become invisible. Uh, oh, and also she can hack uh, your brain uh, while she's shooting you. Is this the ScarJo character? That movie didn't happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not seen any Ghost in the Shell, one, go watch some Ghost in the Shell. Um, but the anime. But uh, maybe the easiest reference point probably for our listeners would be it's essentially an Eclipse Phase character. Right, the yeah, body is right. artificial. The mind exists. The mind can move between bodies. Yeah, it's 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 like a transhumanism setting, right? Yes, exactly. And story. All right, so the build is Warforged, Aberrant Mind Sorcerer Nine, Armorer, Artificer Ten, Rogue One. Hmm. Now, there are a lot of ways to go when you're trying to build like a tech-oriented character in D&D, right? And like also like where does like cyber hacking come in? And for me the the sort of crossover point would be something like scanners where like you're psychic and you're, you know, frying other people's brains psychically is essentially the like fantasy analog to I am, you know, hacking the firewall that prevents, you know, intrusion into your cyber brain and then basically turning you off, right? Okay. Warforged, of course, is the fantasy version of having a, a an artificial body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and artificers, well, artificers are artificers. So let's get into it. From Warforged, uh, you can increase strength and charisma. You get advantage versus, uh, you get advantage on poison saving throws. You get resistance to poison, of course, because you have an artificial body. The major does as well. Does not need to eat, drink, or breathe. Immune to disease. Doesn't need to sleep. Gets an AC bonus because her body is very tough. Uh, you also get an additional skill proficiency and tool proficiency, which is great because, you know, there's plenty of wet wear. We'll kick it off with Sorcerer because that gives you con saves and charisma saves. Con saves because, again, you're tough. You can fall off a building. Charisma saves because that, in D&D, that is the save that that controls whether you stay in control of your psyche an aberrant mind is here to to reflect that like there's very little of what you would call like traditional humanity left in her 
aside from what she essentially chooses to say this you know i am human because i am human right yep okay so that gives her telepathic speech which is you know wirelessly communicating as she does um you get psionic spells which lets you uh, cast some spells without using components and of course she's not making hand signals or using material or verbal or somatic component components when she's hacking other people's brains so this enables her to do that hex is a great spell here detect thoughts hold person suggestion mind spike arcane eye these are all like um analog fantasy analogs for technological abilities that you see her use right like you know remote drone viewing and brain hacking and um you know all of the like mind control abilities are basically just her logging into your brain and reading your thoughts right then we take five levels of artificer which gives us medium armor and shields take spells like guidance absorb elements cure wounds featherfall jump enhance ability invisibility all of these spells again emulate the things that her body can do right it is highly technological it's very dense she can take bullets and keep moving because of course she's not feeling pain uh she can run through fire um there are self-healing protocols she can run extremely fast uh she can jump high distances she can jump far distances you know enhance ability is here to you know rip the top off a tank with your bare hands as she can do she can turn invisible all of those sorts of things Infusions would be infu armor of magical strength because we're, she's not going to be, we run into that D and D thing where like all of her stats are high, right? Same with Batman, mm. but like we can't do that with point by. So we're here to, um, succeed on strength checks when we need to. And then goggles of night is a good option because of course she can see in the dark. Armor gives you arcane armor, which let's see, replaces your limbs and can't be removed, which is her entire body. Uh, infiltrator increases your speed, makes you good at stealth, and then gives you a ranged weapon. This is her firearm. Her weapon of choice is pistols, usually, although, you know, she's good with a rocket launcher, she's good with a sniper rifle. A thing you can do here, a little trick you can do with Warforge and you can't really do with anything else, is you get that short, long rest, right? Your long rest doesn't take as long as everyone else's. So you've got time in the morning. Mm -hmm. You take a short rest, you change over to your guardian form, you use your bonus action to get your HP, and then you take another short rest, switch to your infiltrator form, and you keep the temp HP. And just around then, everyone else is waking up. Okay. And then you also get extra attack. Because you shoot a lot. Fair enough. And then as you take Sorcerer to Nine, look at Metamagics, Quicken, Heighten, Extend. Again, these are all technological abilities. Um, you can spend a, a um, Sorcery Point to reroll an Ability Check, which is great because that lets your magic increase your physical abilities. Um, you'll eventually get resistance to Psychic Damage, which of course is, you know, improved Firewalls. Um, a spell I really like here is Rolothim Psychic Lance. Uh, which, you know, you can hit somebody that you see and it does a fair amount of psychic damage. But we talked about this. It's in Fizz Bands. If you can't see them, you can still target them if you know their name, which is very... Um, I used a packet sniffer to find you. I don't know where you are physically located, but I know your, you know, I know your node address, and so I'm attacking you that way here to take a bunch of psychic damage. 
As for feats, take crossbow expert and sharpshooter because you are a very good shot. And there she is. Uh, I love when we do these, like, do everything characters in the forge because you could literally just, like, <laughs> like grab some spellcaster and throw everything into it, you know? <laughs> Essentially is what you you have to do, right? right? Yeah. I mean, super, superheroes are and, and of their ilk are so hard because part of the design space of the game is making you make hard choices. And part of the design space of comic books is not having no, to make hard choices yeah. about their abilities. Zero trade-offs at all. All right. Before we wrap up, let's take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. And what do we have planned for next week's episode? We're talking about playing flawed heroes. And in the character creation forge? We're building Ash Ketchum. Oh, I know that one. The most flawed hero of all. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's not. He won't even befriend me out. Well, that's it for episode 340 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.